Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast with Blake Lambert Hack. That's me. And this season I am covering the floating city itself, Venice, Italy. The gorgeous, the beautiful, the historic, least stunning Venice, Italy. And I've never been, but one day I will make it. And I'm thinking maybe I'll go sooner than later. Who's to say? But tonight, I'm covering one of the creepiest islands in Venice, Italy. And the reason we have the word Lazarette, the infamous Lazaretto Vecchio. And that means old Lazaret. And a Lazaret is a quarantine station for specifically for maritime travelers. A Lazaret can be anything from an island, which we see here in Venice, to a ship permanently anchored. Either way, Lazaret comes from the word Lazaretto since this island, historians believe, was the first quarantine island, which sounds kind of spooky and it just reminds me of, I can't remember what book it is. I feel like there's an island where this doctor keeps all these experiments on people. I don't know. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about. Speaking of books, I'm reading an Agatha Christie book right now, and I'm obsessed, and I just want to continue reading it. It's called Five Little Pigs. I'm so into it. And I also propped up my mic this week, and on top of books, because why not? And it's very fitting. I have Frankenstein by the immensely talented Mary Shelley. Um, Devil in the White City, and if you listen to season one of Haunted Hometowns, I cover H.H. Holmes. Anyway, and then a complete works of Edgar Allan Poe, which I'm slowly making my way through as well. They got short stories, of course, poems, and if you actually read Edgar Allan Poe's stuff, not all of it is creepy. Like, obviously, his more famous stuff is on the dark side. But he has some really romantic poems and stuff as well. So check it out. But anyway, we're talking about Venice, Italy. We're talking about Lazaretto Vecchio, which means old Lazaret. Again, it's a quarantine island in Venice. Lazaretto probably comes from Lazarus the beggar from the Bible. And they believe he had leprosy. And I do believe Lazaretto Vecchio in Venice was used as an outbreak center for leprosy once upon a time, but we'll get into all of that in a minute. Having an old Lazaret implies that there's a new Lazaret, but let's start with the old island because Lazaretto Vecchio was originally called Santa Maria di Nazareth or Holy Mary of Nazareth. It's an island in the Venetian lagoon. 
More recently, the island has been designated as the future National Archaeological Museum of the Venice Laguna. But as I mentioned earlier, the island was the first Lazarus in the world. In 1423, the Republic of Venice decided to isolate infected plague victims. So we're not going to get into leprosy, but we are definitely going to get into the plague. In 1423, they built a hospital on the island and continued to make it larger to fit more buildings for the infected. The initial wave of the Black Death, aka Pestilence, aka Great Mortality, aka the Bubonic Plague, aka the Plague, it was all from 1346 to 1353, the initial plague. And it is the most fatal pandemic recorded in human history. There are three forms of the plague, which I did not know until researching this. There's the pneumonic plague that infects the lungs, the the septicemic plague that infects the blood, and the bubonic plague that infects the lymph nodes. And obviously the bubonic plague is the most like famous out of or infamous out of all of these, but the Black Death was a bubonic plague. The bubonic plague is mainly spread by fleas, which thank God I've never experienced like a flea on my own body. I've had to get a couple out of my dog's fur, but they weren't in his skin. It's disgusting. Anything that, oof, I, I listen to this podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You. Some of my favorite episodes are the bug ones, like mosquitoes, fleas, worms, that kind of infect the body, but it's terrifying. Anything crawling in or crawling out of your skin, ugh, it reminds me, oh, it's like the mummy with the little beetle crawling under your skin. You can see it. It's so gross. I don't do well with bugs, but it is fascinating. If you can't tell, I'm like hyped up on caffeine because I already had a Red Bull and now I'm drinking one of my favorite drinks, a vanilla Coke cold brew with a little bit of oat milk. I made those all the time when I was a barista and I just happened to have the ingredients in my house today. So we're turning it up. Okay, back to fleas. Fleas are the main cause of the Black Death, but as we have learned, it can also be spread person to person, which is where the other forms of plagues come in. The disease is caused by the bacterium Yersinia pestis in fleas that are then carried around by rodents, aka rats, other rodents as well, but mainly rats. The bacterium wasn't discovered until 1894 by Alexander Yersin in Hong Kong. The plague is believed to have started in Kaffa, which is modern day Feodosia, Ukraine. But back then, obviously, it wasn't Ukraine. It was a whole other thing. Anyway, a Mongolian army attacked the city of Kaffa. And while they were battling, the army outside the walls were being infected by fleas carried by rats. And so as their army is not only dying from battle, but also dying from this infection and disease, the army outside the wall took 
the corpses of their dead fellow military men and catapulted the dead bodies with the disease into the city of Kaffa to weaken the enemy, which is disgusting. Like, people are nuts. I get it, but it's like, it's so fucked up. Anyway, obviously the people in Kaffa ended up getting infected as well. And, like, historians do say that that probably wasn't the main cause of people inside the city getting infected. Obviously, rats carrying the fleas were also to blame, since they would travel from the soldiers' camps outside to inside the city. But it's a little bit of both, and it's all fucked up. And But, like, from there, people escaping the battle and escaping the city, or soldiers in Kaffa, they all left the city by ship, and went to Europe, bringing the Black Death with them in the summer of 1347. So it reached southern Italy by October of 1347, and northern Italy, specifically Pisa and Venice, in January of 1348. If you couldn't guess it, the Black Death is called that because your skin starts to die, and then it turns black, which is also incredibly terrifying what's that one villain that has like black she's like a witch she has black fingers is that thor i don't know that's kind of what i think of though it's really gross once you are infected you start with a fever of course as soon as like 24 hours of infection 100 106 degrees fahrenheit We've all been there. We've all had the flu or a really bad cold or whatever. But this play, like this disease moves quickly. Because once you get the fever of 100, 106 degrees Fahrenheit, you then get headaches, aching joints, nausea, vomiting, and then just like general discomfort. But is that not what Pepto-Bismol is for? I guess they didn't say diarrhea, but once all that is starting to happen in the first few days, then you start to get these buboes, which are like pus-filled lumps. It's just inflammation of the lymph nodes in your body. However, when those lumps are opened, pus and blood oozes out, which nasty. It's disgusting. And I'm sorry that I'm talking about this amongst a monkeypox issue where you also get lesions and stuff. It's really nasty. Also, I just had a spider bite. It's not my first one. I get them all the time. But I just had a spider bite that also has like what looks like pus-filled lumps and stuff like that. And it's really nasty. After all of that for the plague... Next, you start vomiting blood, which is also disgusting. It's just all really, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle, especially back then when nobody knew what was going on and you didn't have like emergency care to like, or an ambulance to call. You just kind of had to like deal with it. Horrific. 
However, one of my favorite songs was inspired by the Black Death. Dance of Death by Saison. It's a beautiful song. I love it. And then those like dancing skeleton. I think the song Spooky Scary Skeleton. And then you see those dancing skeletons and stuff. That image also comes from the Black Death. I digress. If this disease is left untreated, which most of it was back in the day. 80% of those infected died in eight days. Eight days. That's so quick. As I mentioned earlier, there were many waves of the plague. The initial discovery, like I was saying, was in the 1300s, but all of them, all the waves combined, caused the death of 75 to 200 million people in Eurasia and North Africa. The second wave was from 1400 to 1667. And the third wave was from 1855 to 1925, which wasn't that long ago. And those numbers are insane. That's so many people. I can't imagine, like, obviously we've been through a pandemic recently and it's very scary. But millions of people in that small, like, just Europe, North Africa, a little bit Asia area. Back then when there are no doctors or hospitals really to go to to help you out and there are no vaccines and it's just terrifying. And I don't know how anybody survived that. Because it's person to person and people are dying. Well, maybe it's because they are dying in eight days so they don't have a lot of human contact. It's like a quick... And I don't know how long the... um contagious period is but how anybody survived that is beyond me the third wave mainly hit china then moved to australia and hit san francisco in 1900s and that was the first time north america was hit by the plague was in 1900 in san francisco because of it moving from China to Australia to the United States, West Coast. But in modern times, with the vaccine and antibiotics, death rate has moved from 80% to 10%. And the most recent outbreak was in Madagascar in 2017. Hundreds of people died. Like, it's still... You know, we have a couple eradicated diseases, but this is not one of them. Like, those fleas really do fuck you up. Anyway, this is what caused the Republic of Venice to make a lazaret in 1423 because what they had previously been doing wasn't working to slow or stop the spread of disease. Obviously, hunkering down in your houses or staying away from people or whatever they chose to do before 1423 didn't do shit because they didn't fully understand that it was spread person to person. And Venice was especially vulnerable since they were a massive trading center for Europe. Shipping sick or suspectedly sick Venetians to Lazaretto Vecchio seemed to help slow the spread of the plague. However, they also had the issue of sick people arriving by ship from other cities and countries. 
So that's when they set up Lazaretto Nuovo, or the new Lazaret, in 1468. So about like 40 years after. To check six sick passengers and crew before they would let them into the heart of Venice. So the old Lazaret is to send sick people to be treated, and so on and so forth. The new Lazaret is to have incoming people checked out. Kind of like Ellis Island a little bit, um, to make sure you don't have diseases and all this other stuff. But not only do we get Lazaret, the word Lazaret from Italians, Lazaretto, but also the word quarantine, since once on the island, the Venetians held the six sick patients for 40 days, or quaranta giorni. So that's where we get quarantine, quaranta giorni. 40 days. Venice became the first to use large-scale isolation for the sick, as well as monitoring and fighting the infection. And I don't know how much fighting they could have done, but it was definitely monitoring, keeping track, writing down symptoms, so on and so forth. I can definitely see governments tossing a sick person out of the city and saying figure it out so this was really a new inventive what i don't call it inventive it's like props to venice for not just kicking people out of their city and saying let's contain this and help and see if we can stop it instead of just being like fuck off figure it out So props to them. Although even after all of this, scientists still didn't know how the disease or really any disease was spread. Germ theory wasn't around for another 400 years. And before germ theory, scientists believed people were getting infected by environmental factors, such as bad air, foul water, and poor hygiene. And they didn't think it passed person to person, but instead from wherever they were living. So again, environmental. And they weren't necessarily wrong. I mean, obviously we can get diseases from a multitude of areas, but they just didn't understand that, you know, that person's sick and me just being two feet away from them could also make me sick. Of course, there were scientists before then who contemplated the idea that were dis- that diseases were spread from person to person, either from eating together, having sex, sleeping in the same bed, etc. But it wasn't fully accepted until the 19th century. Shout out to everyone that worked on those islands because... I can't imagine being surrounded by sick people like that. Seeing black fingers and lumps everywhere and oozing and blood. Like it's, I could never do that. That's too much. So bless them for risking their life every day to do that on Lazaretto Nuovo and Vecchio. And this is also where we get those the, the images of the doctors wearing the black robes and the beak-like mask. 
Because again, they thought the disease was coming from the air, from environmental stuff. So they wore those beaks. And at the end of the beak and the mask, they would hold different herbs like lavender, clove, peppermint, roses, juniper, berries, etc. to cover the smell. And if you're covering the smell, it means you're being protected from the plague. Obviously today that doesn't make a lick of sense, but I'm sure back then it was also just like people are dying left and right. And I'm sure dead skin cells turning your skin black and pus and blood oozing lymph nodes and stuff is not a good smell either. So yeah, I would do it too. I would absolutely sniff peppermint and and roses all day long instead of smelling what is around me in the air all the time. Those doctors also were like second-rate doctors. They were the ones that people didn't really want to go to because they weren't, they didn't have a five-star Yelp review. But it was also volunteers or young doctors just starting off. So it's like, pay your dues. You got to go deal with these bubonic plague victims before you can have your own practice. They would also wear those black gloves and carry around a cane. And it was just so they didn't have to touch patients. So they kind of had an understanding of like, they may have not thought that they were getting the disease from them, but obviously you don't want to touch that. So the cane was there just to like point things out on people while they were keeping track of what was going on. And obviously the gloves, so you're not touching gross, oozy sores, like ugh. But obviously not all plague doctors wore those outfits. It just became the most accepted choice to prevent disease. Because the plague killed so many people, officials had no choice but to bury victims in mass graves. And they chose both the new and old Lazaretto to bury them. They needed the space. It was a lot of people who died. And we, I, I kind of talked about this in the Savannah season. There was a lot of mass graves because of wars and stuff and uh, yellow fever and so on. And you just kind of have to do what you have to do. But it's not the best option because then you just have layers and layers of dead bodies. And I don't think it's very good for the environment. And I'm sure those families weren't too happy either, but... You do what you gotta do. In 2005, there's an excavation of one of the several mass graves on these islands, during which the skull of a woman with a brick jammed in her mouth was uncovered. Of course, they were expecting to find hundreds of skeletons, but they were not expecting to uncover what they think was a vampire. And we'll be right back. That's right, I said a vampire. 
At the time, many people believed diseases were also spread by vampires, quote-unquote. If you died and were suspected of being a vampire, grave diggers would shove a brick in the victim's mouth in case they rose from the dead and tried to feast on the dead in the mass grave. Many ancient civilizations believed that once you died, your soul, your soul escaped from your mouth. So to trap the vampire's soul, they had to put a stone or something to block the mouth so it couldn't escape. This woman's skull that had the brick shoved in her mouth, like when they found her, the skull was not the only one found with a brick in the mouth. There was also a child's skull with a stone in the mouth as well. And this idea that if you place a large stone or brick in the mouth after death came from ancient Rome. Of course, the word vampire wasn't common in the ancient world, but instead they used revenant or the, quote, returning, unquote, to describe the dead coming back to kill more people. Now, today, obviously, we know that the Black Death was from the plague and other diseases were at play like malaria and leprosy. But back then, a lot of people did believe that revenants, zombies, God, vampires, whoever, were dooming everyone. Different cultures treated the dead differently to fight revenants. They would either burn bodies... There was decapitation, dismembering. Some people would weigh down the limbs of corpses with huge stones so they couldn't move if they ever rose from the dead. Historians believe it all stems from misunderstanding how a body decomposes, of course. So when a human stomach decays, a dark fluid flows out of the nose and mouth which was probably interpreted as the soul leaving, and that's why they shoved a brick in their mouth. That fluid would have soaked the shrouds over or near the corpse's mouth, meaning the cloth seeps into the mouth, making it look like someone would have breathed the cloth in or that they were chewing on the shroud. So when these people... Okay, so picture this. You're digging up... A mass grave. Why? Because you need to add more bodies to the mass grave because millions of people are dying and they won't stop dying. So when you dig more holes or move the dirt to add more bodies to the mass grave, you're uncovering decomposing bodies because it hasn't been that long. So when they do that, they're seeing a lot of dark fluid or shrouds that are soaked in whatever bodily fluids are leaving the dead body. And to them, it's like, oh, these vampires came back to life and tried to eat their way through the shroud so they could get at the mass grave of bodies so they could have more zombies or more vampires or whatever they thought was going on. And this is the actual origins of what we today call vampires. And it was a way for people to explain natural causes that to them seem inexplicable. 
I have two German Shepherd dogs living behind my apartment building. And they're very cute, but they're always outside and very noisy. Okay, cool. Maybe they got a bone. Anyway. Oh, no. So after exhuming a body that was swollen and blood and other fluids have left the body, people would stake the corpse, which would release gases. And when the gases are released, sometimes a groan-like sound would come from the corpse due to the gases passing by the vocal cords. So again, that's why people are thinking, oh, they're still alive, they're making noise, or the body is moving, but it's just gases being released. The body would also lose its swelling from the gases and liquids escaping. The fluid leaving the body can expose roots of hair, nails, and teeth, making it look like those features have grown in length when actually everything else is just receding. And eventually, the nails and skin begin to fall off, of course. But to many back then, it looked as if the body was growing new skin and nails, kind of like snakes shedding their skin. But yeah, humans shedding skin, new skin coming in, and nails growing longer. And ugh. It also didn't help that the plague would make your organs bleed. And you'd cough up blood, making it look like you fed on another human because your mouth is all fucking bloody and you have black skin. It's gruesome. Absolutely gruesome. It really does make... It's perfect for a horror movie. Of course we use this imagery for movies because it's creepy and nobody wants to see it. I need more horror movies like this, though. Even though diseases like the plague, malaria, typhoid, leprosy, etc. were what people originally associated with vampires because of the images that I just told you about, the vampire image has shifted today to more encompass rabies. So animals like bats and wolves can carry rabies. And if you do have rabies, you are more sensitive, so that could... That's like the example of why vampires can't be seen in light or can't handle the light and they can't handle garlic. They're just more sensitive to everything. Rabies also affects sleep patterns and leads to animals to bite others with like a bloody frothing mouth. There's a legend that some scientists said if you have rabies, you can't see yourself in a reflection, which is ridiculous. But that also has stuck with the vampire imagery of them not being able to see themselves in a mirror. So yeah, historians believe that even though the origins of a vampire came from the plague and other larger diseases back in the day, it's kind of what we see in Hollywood and movies and TV shows definitely has more relationship to rabies. And even though these, I do really want to quickly let you know about some vampire serial killers, even though they're not from Venice, but 
I'm not going to get into these people, so if you want to, go for it. But I just think it's very interesting. There's the vampire of Dusseldorf. And his crimes are so horrific. And again, I'm not getting into it. But occasionally, he would suck blood from victims after he attacked them. There's the vampire of Sacramento, who is a cannibal. There's an unsolved murder called the Atlas Vampire, or Vampire Murder in Stockholm, Sweden, in 1932. And that was Lily Lindestorm. She was found dead in her apartment with all her blood drained from her body. And again, that's unsolved, so it's fucked up. In 1611, Countess Elizabeth Bathory was tried for murdering 650 girls and bathing in their blood to stay young and beautiful. And she was a noblewoman in Hungary and was said to torture servant girls. They couldn't corroborate any of that. However, they did confine her to her castle until she died. And I would love to see that movie. That would be a good horror movie. And if you want to know more, go look them up. But I just wanted to give examples of how long the idea of vampires has been around. Like, Middle Ages may not have called them vampires, but our view of vampires definitely came from then. Especially Countess Elizabeth, like, 1611. Bathing in blood. Like, come on. And of course, we have Hollywood's version of vampires, and I do love vampires. It's like Blade, Buffy, What We Do in the Shadows, 30 Days of Nights. 30 Days of Night, Let the Right One In, American Horror Story, Vampires in the Bronx, Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, Little Vampire, the Netflix Dracula TV show, which I'm obsessed with, Monster Squad, True Blood, Vampire Diaries, Van Helsing, Castlevania, Midnight Mass, and the list is forever. So vampires have really infiltrated our society in a weird way, but when we go back to looking at the woman that scientists found in the mass grave. They call her the Venice vampire. They discovered that she had recently eaten veggies and grains before dying, which does suggest she was of lower class. And she was also between 61 to 71 years old and born in Europe. And her age was surprising because when she was alive in the Middle Ages, they believed Back then, they believed witches and the devil gave witches their powers, including the ability to cheat death. So her being so old when she died means she was probably, like, people were speculating that she may have been a witch or some mythical type being related to the devil, which also may explain why they put a brick in her mouth. Obviously, this is all speculation, but we all know it was all more misogyny that made people believe she was a witch. But because if you're old, you're more likely to be a widow, which means you're poor and lonely and weak and more vulnerable and and seduced by the devil and whatever the fuck they said. But from 1550 AD to 1650 AD, more than 100,000 people were tried as witches, and 60,000 people were executed for being called a witch or a vampire. And witches back then, they believed that they were eating children. So 
there's a lot of parallels between witches and vampires and whatever other revenants and whatever else they thought was going on instead of just a horrible disease spread from person to person. In the 1800s, the hospital and quarantine on the Lazaretto was turned into a military armory. Some buildings were demolished and eventually decommissioned. From 1965 to 1995, the island served as the city's dog pound. However, in 2004, plans for restoration were put into motion. The idea was to turn the new Lazaretto Island to the National Archaeological Museum of the Venice Laguna, and it would provide history of the city from ancient times to present-day Venice. Unfortunately, they lost funding, but the project was picked back up in 2017, so hopefully the initial plans will come through and we will get an epic historic slash art museum or whatever they're planning on, because I would love to visit. Both Lazaretto Islands are overlooked by another quarantine island in Venice that I will be talking about later on in the season, but these two seas- these two islands have just as many ghosts being home to these mass graves, plague victims, and other diseases brought from other countries by ship. Today you can take a tour of the island and the abandoned hospital, and maybe you will see some patients from the past still wandering the halls. But yeah, these islands have such historical value to Venice and kind of to the entire world for being the first quarantine centers and the first Lazarets. And it was really the start of what we have today and how we handled COVID in a way. Obviously, we didn't handle that the best, but I don't think we would have as many precautions we do today if we didn't have the Black death, the plague, and people in cities like Venice trying to come up with a way to handle the devastation that was sweeping through Europe, Asia, and North Africa. So thank you for joining me this week. I couldn't make this without you, of course. So make sure you're subscribed for updates on new episodes. If you want more stories like this one, tell your friends and family to listen, rate, and email me your paranormal stories so I can read them on the podcast. I just want you to tell me creepy stories and I want to share them. And it could be anything from falling into a trance and walking directly into the wall to a family curse that has been passed on for centuries. Let me know. Email me at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. Or DM me, head over to social media, Instagram Haunted Hometowns for photos related to each episode, upcoming news. I look forward from hearing from you all, and I will meet you all back here on Friday for another episode of Haunted Hometowns because everyone loves a ghost story. I got my information from Wikipedia, National Geographic, Atlas Obscura, New Atlas, Cosmo, 
and Discover Magazine. That's right, I said Cosmo, as in Cosmopolitan Magazine. The music is by Queer Pop Star. Follow Tyre on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, Twitter, wherever. Go listen to his music. Fantastic. The art is by Pepe Munoz, p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. Fantastic artist. Follow him on Instagram and other social medias. They're both genius.